Okay, hello, welcome to episode 108 of Sack King's Therapy. Um, unfortunately, no Fong today. He is un- a bit busy. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to do an episode just to recap Summer League. And uh, he won't be available until the end of the week. So just wanted to probably just do a quick episode in between. We get some of um, my thoughts. I was about to say our thoughts, but Fong is not here, so... It's going to be my thoughts uh, about Summer League. So, so, Kings are the 2021 Summer League champions. And this they are the only team to ever win the Summer League championship twice. Uh, they won it the year that uh, they drafted Ben Lackamore, which was, I think, 2013. And this year, 2021. And, uh, yeah, that's a pretty cool thing that that's happened. Uh, I... So I guess the biggest takeaway from the Kings winning the Summer League Championship is, you know, defense. They played some damn good defense. And you have to start with the Summer League co-MVP, um, Davion. Uh, he was a co-MVP with, uh, I think, the Nets' Cam Thomas. Um, but yeah, so Davion was, uh, one of, was the co-MVP of the Summer League. And... Yeah, it all starts with Davion. Davion really set the tone on defense. Like, they basically, for the entire Summer League, at least the pretty much all the games I watched, they put him on the best perimeter defender. Didn't matter how tall he was, didn't matter if he was short, they put him on the perimeter defender, or the perimeter player, and he put him in a straitjacket, basically. Just all over them, wouldn't let them get a clean dribble off. Like, forget about getting like clean shots off. He, he wouldn't even let them like dribble like near him. Like was how, I guess, suffocating it was. And you know, you also got to give credit to like you know the rest of the defense, like for you know essentially moving in sync and kind of following Davion's lead. But Davion is the head of the snake, as Casey always says about De'Aaron Fox. De'Aaron is the the stir what the straw that stirs the drink is what he says well davion is is basic is definitely the straw that really stirs that drink into just something delicious because my god because um in the final summer league game i don't have the numbers in front of me did i save that tweet uh, let me check right now. Uh, I should be a little bit more prepared. But uh, Payne Pritchard coming into the Summer League Final, which scoring 20 points a game, 51% from the field, 57% from three on 8.7 attempts, and only 1.3 turnovers all of Summer League. And apparently he scored like 92 points, I think, in a pro-am, pro-am game in Seattle or, or Portland. I don't remember. But like he, he was, you know, on absolutely on fire. Against uh, against the Kings in the Summer League Finals game, uh, four points, two of six, zero of four from three, and four turnovers, and mostly guarded by Davion. Like, <clears throat> like that is what Davion kind of brought to the table. And the rest of the defense, like you, you can't discredit the rest of the defense. They they put basically everyone kind of just you know basically pushed everyone out of their comfort zone and just made them kind of. Made them basically lose rhythm and just, yeah, just completely broke down. And yeah, the Kings were able to take advantage. And honestly, that's the only way they really scored throughout the game. I think most of their points were in transition. They ended up blowing out, I think it was 100 to 69. Oh, God damn it. I, I really should have prepared a little better. I did not write down the scores. I'm just, 
Uh, lazily just gonna check what was it so yes it was 100 to 67 uh, after a pretty honestly a pretty mass start like they came out pretty flat but then all of a sudden in, in the middle of the first quarter they turned it on and just never looked back and yeah it, a lot of the credit has to start with the head of the snake you know the, the straw that stirs that drink Davion Mitchell he set the example and everyone kind of just followed Kind of followed his lead. Um, Chimezi Metsu was suspended after a throwing a punch at, I think it was a Mavericks player, Mavericks Summer League player, and he was out for this game. But, you know, <clears throat> Woodard did a decent enough job test kind of replacing um, Metsu's minutes. And, you know, it was like, it was just really cool to see like the Kings really kind of put, really take, take like step up to the plate in terms of just playing good basketball. Like, you know, they were, I, I unfortunately didn't miss most of the game, but from like, you know, watching some of the highlights, you know, they really pressured up on the Boston ball handlers and just never kind of let them get comfortable. And yeah, again, they just kept, they just broke down and Kings took advantage. Like, and you know, none of praise like can go to Davion for, again, setting up that example. I feel like I've been repeating myself for the past few minutes, but like not enough can be said about how good Davion was. His stats don't exactly stand out. Like, let's look at his stats. He 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 was three for twelve, two for five from three, with only nine points and only once, only one steal. But his effect on the on the Kings like goes far beyond that. Like again, he sets the example. There is no like there is you know there was a really kind of popular clip that circulated through. No, at least through King's Twitter. I don't know about the national media, but it was Garn Payne Pritchard just put the clamps on him, and I think it ended up in Aaron Neesmith's hand, who had to basically like throw it off the back, throw a three off the backboard. Like there are like on the scoreboard, like Davion did nothing on that and on on the box score. But if you watch that clip, he put him in a straight jacket. He he kept changing directions. He couldn't get by Davion, and then Emmanuel Terry kind of traps. You know, comes over and traps uh, Peyton Pritchard and closes, you know, leaves his man open, but manages to plug that, you know, that opening really quickly. So you can't you can't discredit just how good the defense was, and just yeah, it's it's a really interesting thing to see how if this is going to translate to. I'm looking for another term, but this is like the perfect term to describe it: the main roster Sacramento Kings. Like, how is he going to fit in next to De'Aaron? How is he going to fit in next to Halliburton? And, you know, uh, Holmes, uh, Barnes, like, where's like where's his spot? And, you know, w we shall see how that's going to play out. Because, you know, in, in Summer League, he kind of was, like, the main initiator. And for the most part, I don't really see that as his role. Maybe, like, you know, maybe he'll be the sixth man, like, to start like to start second and fourth quarters he'll be the guy to initiate everything kind of as that backup guy while De'Aaron and Halliburton may be sitting on the bench like but I think for the most part he is going to be the secondary ball handler if not the third ball handler and you know I'm very interested to see like if his defensive energy kind of tr like can I guess be as infectious as it was um, you know as it was for the summer league team because you know, a lot of, well, for mostly national media, who, you know, I, I'm, this is not to throw shade at him on the national media, 
like most of the national media does not watch the Kings on a you know a game to game basis. They simply don't have time. They have they cover too many different teams, so they only see snippets of it. But a lot of them kind of rip on kind of De'Aaron's defense and saying that how he can't play defense and how you know Halliburton. Like I think for the most part, like they think he's a lot. He's a good defender, but they rightfully kind of say that he's not really a good on ball defender. And that's kind of where I stand with Halliburton. But with De'Aaron, like I, I feel there's a lot there. It's and unfortunately, it just becomes an issue of like effort with him. And you can't blame Fox too much either because, like, let's be honest, like he has to carry the entire offense all the time. So there's only so much energy he, he can expend on the defensive end. But you know, watching last year, basically every game, like he can he can lock down people, like in in certain moments. It's just that. You know he really picks his spots there, and of course, and of course, you, you got to bring up the fact he has to carry the offense. So, like with Davion there, like Davion can probably guard like most perimeter guys. Like you know, outside of maybe guys like Steph and Kyrie, like he can probably do an amazing job on those guys. On I mean the lead ball handlers, just like pressure them, wear them out, and like you know he can probably like help a lot on the offensive end and you know second year Halliburton I'm really excited to see what um, Halliburton does in the second year that can take I imagine like that can take off a lot of the offensive load from uh, De'Aaron and De'Aaron's gonna have more energy on the defensive end to you know play good defense and I'm a believer in Fox to be able to guard most twos or you know just he can guard most wings as long as they're not like of the 6-9 variety 6-8 variety like I feel like there's a lot to unlock there, and like with Davion, like you know, hounding the hell out of whoever he, whoever he's guarding, like that can probably translate to the main roster uh, Kings, Kings team. And yeah, I'm excited to see how things play out next year. Like you know, a lot of people are talking about the three guard lineup. I'm wondering, you know, like there, there are skeptics of it. Like Davion, it, unfortunately, like the reality is, he is he is very small, but like. Seeing as, like, my example that I like to compare him to is, like, look at Chris Paul, like, at his prime. Chris Paul is six, is basically six feet, six one, with a six four wingspan, which is what basically Davion is. And Chris Paul was an amazing defender for many years. And to a certain degree, he still is a pretty damn good defender. And, you know, I think Davion can, like, can guard. I think he, I think, like, if you give him some time, I think he can legitimately be. You know, kind of that Patrick Beverly or Chris Paul back in his like Clippers days, where like Chris Paul like legitimately like not locked down Kevin Durant. You cannot lock down Kevin Durant, but like he really kind of made it really tough on Kevin Durant to score in the 2014. I think it was Game Four, where yeah, Chris Paul was on KD for like much of the fourth quarter, and KD like hilariously had a really hard time like uh scoring on chris paul like i think davion has that in him and like i think legitimately even though he's six one six two or whatever whatever like i think he can legitimately like guard up to guys like tobias harris <laughs> like for example like get, he, he's not gonna let guys get to, to get to their spots and he's gonna hound the hell out of their dribble like i i'm really excited to see and if you can stick your like your third if you can stick like Halliburton on your th- on their third uh, best perimeter guy, like who, like that, he can probably like be you know your essentially your free safety. Like that's an intriguing kind of theoretical thing that I'm 
theoretical thing that I'm running in my head. Like, I, I mean, I've talked to like the you know, some people on Twitter where like they think this, um, they think this lineup could be a bit gimmicky, but you know, some you know, like the reality is, it's you can never have too many ball handlers, and like, do, are they gonna have three? Or is the other team gonna have three perimeter guys for all three of you know Mitchell, Fox, and Halliburton? Like. You know, I, I, you know, as I've said sometimes, like sometimes the best defense is making the other guy take, making the other team take the ball out of the net, and then you can, and then you know Davion's going to compete on that end, so maybe he can set the tone there. And you know, I just, I just think that this team is going to be interesting to see. There are very, there are a lot of theoretical things, I'm, theoretical scenarios I'm running in my head, theoretical uh, lineups that can happen, and uh, yeah, I'm excited. Can't wait for the season to happen, although. I won't, I won't lie. I've been burned quite a few times, uh, particularly the uh, last year bogey, where I thought that team was going to be really good, like coming out the gate, and they were. And uh, yeah, I'm very optimistically um, excited about next season. And you know, like let, let's see if the Kings make another move. Like possibly they make another move, and you know this team will look very different. Like. Um, like a lot of people are still talking about Ben Simmons and Pascal Siakam, but I think the reality is, reality is it's gonna take more, it's gonna take more than what I want, what I would want to give up if I were the Kings. Like, you know, Brendan Nunes on I think D'Lo and Casey yesterday basically said if you can trade Buddy and Marvin and you know like two unprotected picks or maybe three unprotected picks, like maybe you can get Simmons. That's a package. I'm not too angry about that. Like, picks might be, make me a little queasy, but like, if you're good. What, what what difference does it make, right? But, like, I don't think that package will get it done. Like, Buddy and Marvin for Simmons, I don't think is going to get it done. It definitely won't get it done for Pascal Siakam, who apparently, reportedly, does wants to stay in Toronto. Or, like, he's not, he's not trying to get out of Toronto at all. And... Yeah, you, you might need like a Godfather package to get um, Pascal Siakam, and you know I'm not I'm not including I'm I'm not going to be including Fox Halliburton or to a certain degree even Davion. Like I really want to see what Davion can do before we end up trading him. Um, yeah, so that's kind of my take on Davion. I think he's gonna I think he's gonna have a pretty big effect on the Kings, and like you know if the Kings can like make the playoffs as you know as you know, let's let's be optimistic. Like a six seed, I think I think Davion has a chance to win Rookie of the Year. He would be my pick. Like that's gonna, you know, um, before the season starts, we're definitely gonna do an like an awards prediction, and we'll see. We'll we'll have to see like who we pick then. Like we're I'm definitely gonna have Fong on there, and um, you know my early pick for Rookie of the Year, Rookie of the Year next year. I'm gonna pick, you know, of course this is a homer pick. I'm gonna pick Davion Mitchell because I'm predicting the Kings to be pretty good. I think like they can make they can make the eighth seed. And, you know, like if things really break their way, the sixth probably like the sixth seed at most. And uh yeah, that's a bold prediction of mine. Um little preview of what's gonna happen. And uh yeah, um so let's get back to I guess summer league. Um Oh, but oh, before we talk about um, Louis King, who was the Summer League Finals MVP, SB Nation uh, posted an article that basically listed out the best uh, Summer League players and somehow left out Davion Mitchell. And um, yeah, I, and after Davion won the Summer League MVP, they kind of added essentially a footnote 
where basically Davion made the honorable mentions, which still pretty damn disrespectful and, you know, to a certain degree kind of exposes SB Nation for not really watching basketball like i guess like d'lo kind of put it in a really good way where basically like you can tell that sb nation seems to only like read box scores and watch highlights and you know again i, I don't really blame like certain like websites for not watching the kings and like because like if you're if you're doing a national like writing it's hard to actually be able to get a reading and to be able to keep track of everything and you know it's it's a it's a well-known fact that the Kings are not a very relevant team for many, you know, basically for 15 years. So, like, why would you pay attention to the Kings? But it does just kind of show, like, they didn't they didn't really watch the the games. And, you know, like, SB Nation had, like, a pretty big kind of layoff a few years ago. I think during when the... Was it when the pandemic happened? I don't remember. I think it was before the pandemic. But I remember very clearly, like, Andrew Sharp got essentially released by SB Nation and he stopped doing the open floor uh podcast with Ben Golliver and now they're doing now he's doing like a paid a paid subscription thing and the open floor has been taken over by Michael Pina and I think Chris Herring because Ben Golliver isn't even on there anymore which is which is pretty crazy to think about but like you know like SB Nation like they had that huge layoff a few years ago so like and then Sacktown Royalty kind of essentially laid off a bunch of guys too and they basically a lot of the king's writers on that website ultimately became the king's herald and ever since then sacktown royalty at least from what i've heard like they, they don't seem very really relevant at least from what i can see like i don't see their stuff on on twitter much like people aren't retweeting their stuff or at least most of king's twitter isn't and uh they and i've heard the rumblings of them kind of being out of touch with the fan base like sacktown royalty and uh, yeah, it's not a good look for SB Nation, and it just seems to kind of run with the theme that you know that they don't seem to really be as invested as you know as most fans and other websites. And uh, yeah, they they gotta do better. Like how you go how you gonna leave? Like I mean, th- there were highlights on Twitter. Like you know, people see saw him lock up book night. There was more than that. Like man, come on, guys, you gotta do better. <laughs> what the hell are you doing? Uh, anyways, let, let, we, we got to talk about uh, Louis King. He was a Summer League Finals MVP. I believe he had 21 points. And um, let me see. I have box score open. He had 21 points, five steals, three rebounds, zero assists, but four for eight from three. And uh, yeah, had a pretty good game. And uh, he was actually pretty good for most of Summer League. And, you know, uh, people are ta- like people are falling in love with Louis King. And right now the Kings have a huge hole at the wing position that you know louis king can possibly like step in and possibly contribute and he is on a two-way contract so i don't know the specifics of like two-way contracts but like they can probably find a way to make it work where like he can be on the on again the main roster for about i think 50 games i think is the limit and he and i think he can contribute like although I, I, i don't know if he'll have a huge impact but he does he does fill a position of need if like the kings ever do need an extra wing and you know he he's got a he's got good ball handling he can shoot a little bit and like you know he he's got a dog in him like you know the kings for so many years just don't have that kind of kind of dog who a guy that gets up in other people's faces and just you know is essentially just bringing that fire on the on you know 
I guess on both ends of the floor, not just the offensive end or the defensive end. Like the guy that plays with a lot of fire, and you know, you need a guy. I think y'all. I think you can never have too many dogs on the on the court. Even though like this year we'll have Davion, we have like you know other guys like uh, you know like Terrence Davis is definitely a guy that plays with a lot of fire. Metsu, of course, like <laughs> punched a dude in the face or after a pretty dirty foul. Um, like you know, you, you got you got dogs out there, but you can never you can never use you can never have too many of them. And uh, yeah, I'm interested to see if he's gonna like be a guy. Like especially if the Kings don't make any more trades. Like I mean, like I can see Louis King being a contributor on this team. And uh, yeah, hopefully he you know he gets he we get to see him more on the main roster. Yeah, uh, I think he can be a contributor. Uh, well, that's basically gonna be it for in terms of summer league in the main part of this podcast uh i do want to i guess quickly shout out the kings for actually saying goodbye to kyle guy and justin james i was actually really sad to see justin james go but let's start with uh kyle guy uh kyle guy like i really liked him like to me he did a lot of the good things and like you can definitely tell he was coached right like coach, like you know, coached by really good coaches who taught him the fundamentals of the game. Like one thing I always noticed about him, he boxes out, and it, there was no reason for him to like get certain rebounds, and like he, and but like he managed to get them, like, <clears throat> like instead of like bigger players, and it it just bugs the hell out of me when like I'm looking at goddamn Marvin Bagley and um D, uh, not De'Aaron Fox, uh Buddy Heald. Jesus Christ, why did I blank out on him? Like, I've watched so many moments where these dudes, like, they'll get rebounds, but they'll never box out. And a lot of times, like, their guy was sneaking behind them and, you know, steal the rebound. And it just, yeah, like, it's unfortunate that Kyle Guy just didn't get more, like, get more run. I mean, the ugly reality is the same thing with uh, Davion Mitchell. But, you know, Davion's a lot, a much better, well, a much more well-rounded player where Kyle Guy is just too small. Like, he's just too short to really be any be of any deterrent on defense and yeah with how small the kings already were like there were times where he was guarding like six six guys six five guys six seven guys and he just looked noticeably small and you know his offensive contributions just weren't enough to offset that unfortunately and uh but you know i hope kyle guy finds another finds another uh spot like he i think he is a good player who can you know play spot minutes as like a kind of like a third or fourth even fourth guard like, you know, he's on the Warriors Summer League team. I don't, I don't know if they'll pick him up. Like, maybe he'll find some place in the G League or if not overseas. Like, he's a good he's a good and smart player. Uh, the other guy, Justin James. Like, I'm actually kind of sad, but, like, it, I felt it was pretty inevitable. Like, I mean, the one thing, the one real reason the Kings would have kept him on, on, their, on their roster is, like, maybe, like, you guarantee a salary, like, what, one million or whatever, and can use it in, as a like trade fodder uh, for a, like a future trade but like you know he's listed at six seven even though he does not look six seven to me by the way and i'm just one but like the kings need another kind of wing ish player but he's more of a two guy he's more of a two guard like that size wise anyway again i don't believe he's six seven and but like last year I, he was the one guy that i really felt should have gotten more run but there are probably legitimate reasons why he didn't, but like at the end of the year, he's like that 31 point, was it 31 or 30, 30 something point game where against the Memphis Grizzlies at the end of the year, 
where he just showed out and was just you know it just played really well in that game and it really showed a flash of like there might be a player there but you know it, it could be a it could be a flash in the pan but i i was a willing believer in justin james like you know he he like kyle guy he's a smart player he makes the right plays doesn't try to do too much and you know plays with good energy like i just felt like he sh- should have got more run and uh yeah you know, just he'll all, you know, him and Kyle Guy, you know, will always kind of be like honorary kings in, you know, in my mind. And uh, yeah, um, he'll always, uh, I mean, I don't want to say like have a place in my heart. That sounds kind of weird, but like he'll, he'll always have, he'll, he'll always be like, you know, have a place here. And, you know, as kind of one of those, I guess not hipster, but like he, they definitely, they definitely like made their mark here, I guess. I don't know how to word this. So, yeah, I get. You know what? I'll, I'll just say it. Like they'll have both of them will have a special place in my heart, and Justin James a little bit more than Kyle Guy. But like, you know, Justin James. Like again, that thirty-one point game against Memphis. I will never forget that game. That was probably one of my favorite like like Kings perform single King like Kings performances the entire season. Just coming out of nowhere in a time where you really needed it. It's too bad that we lost that game. But like. You know, he, he really showed up when the Kings really needed someone to show up with all the injuries and just like they were kind of dead in the water and Justin James really gave him the boost and unfortunately they weren't able to close that game out. But again, that was that was a special game. Um Yeah, uh last thing, look at last two topics, I guess. I'm I'm just so um Kelly Ubre is off the off the market. Josh Hart is now off the market. Like the Kings have a huge hole at the four, at the kind of the three, four. They need another guy. They basically just need another guy there. Like we have uh, Barnes and Mo Harkless. Both guys can play the three or the four, and they have the size for it. But you need an extra guy just for depth purposes. And I mean, like, ugh, it just it just annoys me every time I think about that that botched Lakers trade. Like Kuzma, like would have fit in right there perfectly, and. And, or, and like Montrez but like at this point like there aren't that many wings that are left out there like like the f- kind of more just the bigger guy like just add a little bit more size for the Kings like I guess KP is still an option but I mean it, it's a lot of money and I, I don't know but I, it's like you know D'Lo, you know, D'Lo and Casey made it made a great point. Like maybe Marvin is that guy that fills that spot. But I kind of I kind of want a guy that can also kind of slide to the three if possible as well. That's kind of why Kuzma just would have been, I think, perfect. Like he could be, you know, your you wouldn't really want him to be, but he could be your three too. Like he, he's a good wing, he's a decent wing defender, and like you know can and also has the size to play the four. Marvin has the size to play the four, but he definitely cannot guard guard wings. Like he's just too slow footed. And uh, yeah, um, I don't actually. I can't even name any other guy that's really out there anymore. I think I had another a guy in my mind, but like, I get is Paul is Paul Millsap like a free agent? Although he's like really washed, I think like he's on the older side. But yeah, hopefully the Kings can like move a tra- like find a trade there. Like if it, if that guy is Ben Simmons, that actually be pretty interesting. But you know that that's a long shot to say the least. Um, Speaking of Ben Simmons, uh, Ben Simmons uh, put out some training videos of hi- not him shooting, but him running the pick and roll, like in a drill setting, and then dunking the ball. Now, 
and the caption I believe was something along the lines of what point guard can do this you, you know you know like whoever made that caption you're right not a lot of point guards can do can do what Simmons did where he basically split kind of split the pick and roll and then dunk the ball essentially picking it up from like in between like the the kind of uh peak circle and the three-point line not a lot of point guards can do that that's that's true i don't want him to be my point guard i i want him to be supersized draymond green where you're you're kind of the secondary ball handler you're you're like in the short role and you just you basically are kind of essentially a secondary ball handler a, a la a draymond green like i don't want him to be a primary ball handler if he ever was to come to the kings and it kind of just shows oh man like like, of course, the Kings are not in position to actually deny or, like, reject talent if it, talent presents itself, like, to this team. But, like, the lack of seeming self-awareness from Ben Simmons is concerning to me. Like, you, the issue is has never been about you and just... It's never been about him not being able to handle the ball or, like you know, handle the ball or, you know, run the pick and roll. The issue is he is afraid to shoot and he has, he ha he cannot shoot, cannot shoot. So like, you know, the lane is always clogged. So the main thing I want to see improvement upon him is the willingness to shoot and just kind of like, like working on your free throws, because that was what cost you got cost the Sixers, their playoff series against the Hawks. Like, it, it just seems like he's just not going to get there. Um, and, like, if the game, if the Hawks series is not a, awakening for him, I don't know what is going to, like, await, what is going to, like, change him. Like, at this point, it's going to be tough for me, for me to see him ever change. And that makes me very skeptical. any kind of change that he's going to make in his game like he just doesn't seem to have the people around him to tell them to, like to his, tell them that like sit him down like and just say here are the things you're not good at you're an amazing player you're a transformational defensive player you're a, you're an incredible offensive player with very li but you do have these limited you do have these limitations that you need to be able to work on your free throw shooting and just the willingness to shoot and attack more aggressively go look for contact in the lane the one of the most like this has been happening for years and it's just i mean like it's really come to the forefront like now is like when he tries he is always looking to pass and that can be a good thing in a lot of ways but the way he does it is basically he like he drives to pass instead of trying to drive to score and defenses can read that a lot of time and they'll just sit on the pass and he does that so much where it's to the point where like you know like why don't you just like if you just go up and just draw the foul that's a better play and you know he just doesn't seem to want to do that and he doesn't seem to want to improve it at least from these you know stupid instagram like training video training videos that players keep posting by the way i hate those it it, it just kind of shows like i'm not i'm not really like throwing a shot at anyone who do who does do these 
Instagram videos. Well, unfortunately, a lot of the times when I see a training video on Instagram, it just makes me think like, oh, you want people to know that you're working on something instead of actually just working on it and then showing it like when the season starts. Um, I guess like my point is like you're looking for more attention than you are than more than you are actually trying to improve. And I get that kind of vibe from Ben Simmons. And so that's I mean, like. We'll have to see when the season starts if he's still a sixer. I mean, my God, I cannot imagine if he's still a sixer because that's a that's a fucking disaster waiting waiting to happen. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like again, the Kings are not in position to deny talent. You know, to turn down like a talent like Simmons if he was like traded to the Kings. Like, I mean, there are re very real concerns with Ben Simmons if he is not willing to improve, like, his biggest weaknesses, his, you know, his willingness to shoot and free throws. Those are the really only two things that I really care about from him. I don't care if you can, like, you know, split the pick and roll and dunk the ball, like, you know, picking up from the free throw line like Giannis. I need you to be able to hit free throws. I need you to be able to, to be able to be aggressive and go to the hole in the fourth quarter. I, you know, people have kind of shitted on him mercilessly for, for, you know, his collapse in the in the Hawks series. And honestly, he deserves every bit of it. But, it, you know, I think the pendulum has swung a little too far in terms of, like, um, seeing him as a player. He is still a very good player and, you know, a, a talent that the Kings are, are not in position to turn down. And I would love to be able to see him on this team. But he's going to have he's going to have to work on some stuff. Hopefully he does if he ever is traded to the Kings. Okay, well that does it for this little solo rant about uh, Summer League and some other random topics. Um, we'll probably be coming, hopefully we can come back to you by the end of the week, if not next week. Um, in terms of things I am uh, looking forward to maybe talking about the, on the next episode, like with Fong, I mean, AEW Rampages this Friday. Rumors are CM Punk's going to be on that uh, episode. Hopefully he is, because if he is not, that is gonna be a oh god, that is a disaster. He was not if he's not on that episode, oh my god. Um, what else? And uh yeah, SummerSlam is this is this week. Hopefully I can get Fong to actually watch it. Like, please. Like, I want I wanna talk I wanna talk about wrestling. Like and um yeah, um as far and you know, I'm guessing I'm hoping for a King's trade to go down, a good King's trade to go down somewhere down the line, but you know, that's looking less and less likely by the day but yeah um if you have stayed all the way to the end of the episode till now thank you for listening and uh hopefully we catch you guys uh later on in the week